0: A fake side drive marina, 5,000% humidity and heat that really affected the drivers in an atmosphere like nowhere else. G'day there, my name is James Baldwin and welcome to another episode of Lakeside Drive's F1 podcast. In this episode, we review the Miami Grand Prix. And I'm joined by my friends and yours, it's in-person Freya. G'day mate. mate. Doing very well, and not in person, sadly, but the light of my life, Tommy T. G'day, mate. (laughs) G'day, guys. How's it doing? Doing very well. Uh, Thank you for being here. Um, Most recently, Tommy T voted the number one person in Lakeside Drive by a number of people, um, in-person conversations as well as, uh, I mean, (laughs) as well as a poll, probably your mum putting that in, but uh, nice place. We haven't heard from you for a while, T.T.,
1: no, I've uh, I've been busy moving house and relocating to the city, which is fun. But yeah, it's a it's a lot of a uh, lot of my time has been doing that. But we're in the clear now, so back to F one,
0: back to F one. It's good to have you here. And prayer, of course, uh, we were in Miami together. We uh, didn't go to the track. There was no way on hell that I was uh, going to spend that much money on a day pass. Tommy T, I think, uh, how much was the day pass
1: that it cost you for for your one day in the US Grand Prix? I think I got a grandstand over the backside on the lakeside drive, and it was like eighty nine dollars mm. for a day.
0: Mm. Eighty nine dollars is the cost of one beer, I think, um, and Australian. <laughs> uh, the the cost yeah. is absolutely ridiculous in terms of pricing. It was five hundred US for a GA admission ticket just for Sunday. Absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> but needless to say, lots of people the, went. The new F one. Needless to, Yeah. Oh, lots of people spend the money. Anyway, the, the vibe, though, around the city can confirm, Freya, which is where I was going, was absolutely phenomenal, wasn't it?
2: It was, and there was just driver's faces everywhere, whether it was Daniel Ricardo selling jet skis um, <laughs> or um, – Hamilton selling watches. They were they were all over the place. So no, it was a good vibe, and it's very it was different because it's um I suppose very different in terms of being a new city with a new sport really. So mm. it was cool to be there.
0: Lots of crypto advertising. Yeah, for a the, lot of crypto made up companies <laughs> that sponsor a lot of these teams. Uh, anyway, it was uh, absolutely phenomenal. One of the things that uh, I do want to quickly mention though is a shout out to Sam Sandra. Uh, who also wrote an amazing list for us of things to do and see in and around Miami, absolute legend that you are, John, Tara and Josh. Thank you for coming and saying g'day to us uh, at, at what was an exceptional brewery, I'm not going to lie, just up the road from an exceptional coffee roastery, Tommy T, which you would have absolutely loved, uh, was uh, how, what did you describe where we were staying? Wynwood is very... It's
2: very Collingwood, very yeah, Collingwood. so that works. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> think about what Collingwood as a football team or as a place either way uh maybe such a good or not such a good thing but absolutely fantastic to see you thank you so much for coming out um I think what we should absolutely do right now is get into my favorite part of the podcast Freya Tommy T's television broadcast review well we can kind of
1: uh do a little bit of what I saw and then you can kind of confirm or deny what actually <laughs> like that on the ground because we know Miami is fake. All of it is plastic, all of it is a facade and you walk behind it and it's just like propped up with a bit of timber <laughs> and it's just sticky taped together. That is Miami. They do it really well. Uh the glitz and glam is a veneer. It, it, there's nothing beneath it. Um but I, I suppose that's kind of really what it all was, wasn't it? The, I felt like the whole broadcast was just about, we're in South Beach, but we're actually not in South Beach. We're kind of 40 <laughs> minutes away in Miami Gardens, which is actually a spot yes. and disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> like I listen to a, a radio show that is based in Miami and they just talk about it all the time. It's like there's this little South Beach area, which is really, really nice, and then you move away from it and it is just not what you think um so it was very interesting to see how it was broadcast I I really liked the the choice of how they styled the track the the really light blue where they painted all those sections obviously Obviously, the fake marina (laughs) which was outstanding (laughs) I think it actually ended up being a net positive what do you guys reckon it was it was talked about a lot it wasn't as bad as we kind of thought it would be it kind of did its job it felt like a a boat show maybe, kind of how it was set out.
2: (laughs) I think it's gold just because of the amount of content that it's produced, like people building fake marinas in their basements and bathing their children, (laughs) pretending that that was also the marina. So I think, like you said, net positive because it's just produced content, absolute magic.
0: Yeah, fake side drive. Absolutely not my call. Someone amazing in Discord. Yeah, uh, we're well not someone. You know exactly who you That's are. We great. need to go to Discord to find out. One of the moderators, an absolute legend of a Canadian. Um, the uh, I think he's a secret service detail for the Canadian Prime Minister. He, of course, <laughs> is Nicola Teefee. Um He's well, not anymore because you've just freaking put him on blast. <laughs> Good one. The not so secret service <laughs> detail. I didn't give him a name away. <laughs> you have to go to Discord to find that out for yourself. Um, but TT, yeah. in terms of of yes, the the fake. Of the marina um, and and the glitz and the glamour, there were about seven billion uh, celebrities from A grade all the way through to Z grade, um, which made it exceptionally hard for anyone else to actually get access to the track, be it media or people who would traditionally have access to Formula One tracks couldn't get media passes. Freya, you met someone uh, coming yeah. over who had that. As well.
2: well, exactly. So people coming over working for um, yeah, sports who were literally there with drivers to film content and, and produce some amazing stuff and they didn't have media access. So I don't know what you have to do to, in order to get there. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Very, very bizarre, but uh, yes, uh, I think the net positive thing, absolutely, for the faux marina. Uh, I'm here for it. Uh, the only thing I would be disappointed, well, the only thing I am disappointed in, is that Antonio Giovinazzi wasn't there to launch it by walking across it in a white flowing robe. That would have been the, the peak, <laughs> yes, absolute uh, for that. But uh, yeah, in terms of the actual broadcast, TT, what did you think?
1: Uh, I thought it was okay. I think. I struggle with some of the the cringy let's Americanize our broadcast in a way like referencing Lando's helmet every time it came up. Lando couldn't pick any of the basketball teams or sports teams in America. It's clearly someone in his marketing teams like, you know what you should do for a helmet? A basketball. Like at least Daniel Ricardas was like, I watch Ace Ventura. I've watched it since I was a kid. It's something that's important to me. Let's do a helmet like that. Lando's was just someone who was smart in a marketing room going, you know what's really good? Basketball. We should do that in Miami. Because he had no idea what was going on. It was just kind of, I don't know. But then for, for the broadcaster reference, go, oh, he should take off his helmet and bounce it while he's on his long walk back to the thing. And just these cringy kind of mm. like let's Americanize things. It's just just be Sky. Just be UK. Do what you do. You don't have to kind of placate the American audience Yes, they're stupid, but they're not that stupid. <laughs> um, like they don't, they understand like, okay, yes, this is a very British European sport and that's what we're here for. The amount of people who watch Premier League in, in the States is astronomical mm. from what you would think it is mm. and they don't change anything for that broadcast. And I think that's exactly what you guys should do. They don't need to dumb it down for this American audience. They want to watch Formula 1 because it's Formula 1. So that was kind of the one like overarching frustration I had was this kind of… Oh, we're a new audience and like I get you've got to, I don't know, introduce people to the sport and maybe without patronizing kind of explain some of the rules, that's fine. But I think it's its the, the Americanization and just like it's just cringy. I've, I found it cringy a lot of the time. That was kind of the frustrating and that, that was no more apparent than Martin Brundle mistaking <laughs> a very tall uh, – sporting person for the wrong person uh and it was just awkward in all the the right ways but also like again cringy it was just and that that grid walk is always cringy with him because it it can go really well or it's like oh you missed and that was that was just an awkward interaction for everyone watching so uh, that could happen anywhere i guess but i think just keep doing what you do well which is being sky sports as much as we rag on them they do have a pretty consistent product. Just stick to that. Don't change it depending on which, which location you're in, because that audience is worldwide, not just where you currently are.
0: They also had the correct one-time world from the one-world champion uh, on the broadcast this weekend in Jensen Button, and the idiot nowhere near <laughs> the broadcast. Thank God, um, he did a pretty good job <laughs> this weekend and helped lift the bo- yeah. the uh, the whole broadcast.
1: Yeah, and Danica as well. Um, she was great. Good to have like another another kind of point of view, especially being where they were. Um, But yeah, I can't fault Jensen. He always understands exactly the kind of tone and the kind of feel that should be on that broadcast. So you're never going to hear a bad word about Jensen from me. (laughs) Ever.
0: No, fair enough. Um, Ever. Anything from you, Freya, to add for the broadcast point of view?
2: I think just the hype was phenomenal. Like we, we kind of got to experience it when we were there and it was amazing kind of listening to where the cheering was coming from when they were introducing drivers and that type of thing. So you could very evidently hear the amount of Checo support around us and that was evident like kind of through the broadcast and the track there as well. A few people there supporting um, Ricardo as well. Was definitely a popular man in, in Miami. But um, I thought it was all right. Like like you said, they've over overdone it on the American front for sure. Um, I think JB managed to level that out a bit um, and kind of tone it down and bring it back to something mildly sensible. Um, But I thought the anthem was was pretty great. Also, Double Denim just absolutely rocked that. (laughs) It was very uh, Justin Timberlake. That's a Canadian thing. It was Justin Timberlake vibes from the 90s, which is, again, this full Miami. So, however, following the anthem, no flyover.
0: No flyover. Um, and talk, talking with the, the couple of guys that we caught up with last night, I think Josh specifically said, you know, I was there waiting for, in the grandstand, waiting for the planes to fly over. You know, we're going to see some F-15s, it's yeah. going to be sick. Nothing. Um, And I can only imagine, there's two things that was, one uh, one thing was said apparently around the track was the sustainability element for it, I think, uh, and someone else pointed out the weather systems moving around Miami, specifically when, that was starting, it was running quite heavily where we were in Miami uh, just before the race started. So I imagine that just from a safety point of view, the, the, the Jets didn't, which is such a shame because, and we said this, didn't we, last night, that the, the U.S. anthem <laughs> and in the environment of being in the U.S. specifically and, and listening to it and having people, you know, applauding. I find, found myself applauding at the end of it, I'm like it's not even my anthem. But <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> this is so great. I'm so happy to be here. Uh, but yeah, pretty pretty phenomenal. Um, but uh, it's unfortunately it's going to be points take deducted because of a lack of flyover. Um, although I maybe will yeah. add them back again because the Blue Angels, the US Navy uh, show team, took Zach Brown for a ride earlier in the week, and uh, there's some excellent content there. So, okay, Tommy T, drum roll, please. What is your score? What is your inconsistent scoring Ooh. score for this weekend? I
1: mean, I'm inconsistently consistent. To be <laughs> I th- I think I'm going to go for a five, just middle, middle
0: of the road. Middle of the road. Yeah, I think to be honest, it's fair enough. The lack of flyover absolutely does that, but uh, it very yeah, for sure. Look all round, pretty good. Um, maybe we deduct one more point for Martin Brundle's choice in shirt mm-hmm. as well for the for the day. It was very very much no good. <laughs> okay, let's talk about quality, guys. Um, it was a a very hard qualifying to watch for Daniel Ricciardo fans. That is for sure. Tommy T, let's start with you. Uh, obviously let's talk about DR first. From what I understand, he had problems with the car uh, and that's why he couldn't push. But, you know, when he's qualifying very much
1: behind his teammate yet again, it is very hard to watch, isn't it? Yeah. Well, he had a couple of good laps, but then it just reminded me of the Renault days when he would miss out on that final run, when they just didn't plan properly. He wasn't in the right location at the right time to put in that final lap and this is exactly what happened. He missed out and he, he couldn't put in that. The last lap because it looked like he might have been closer to Lando than we kind of ended up seeing. Uh, And Lando put it into what? The top five I think at the time and then he got beaten further down. But like his time was good enough for top five at at the time and then it got beaten obviously. But it's disappointing. I I don't know what's going on behind the scenes but it doesn't seem like there's a cohesive kind of McLaren-Daniel front at the moment because he's not really getting these things to marry up like Lando is on qualifying times or on race days. It's just there's something, something not clicking and fingers crossed that they're working through it and they can get it sorted out. But these just little unlucky kind of niggles that he's having all the time is just distracting from how good he actually is or when he does have a good performance. Um, Yeah, it's super disappointing because like you said, he's got such a massive fan base in Miami uh, and America in general. So they would have loved to see him do something. And you could hear the crowd cheer when someone did something impressive. And I know that the crowd would have erupted if he had have managed to put in a good time in that final bit of quality.
0: Yeah, it's hard to watch. It is. Um, obviously, as you say, Tommy T, niggly issues with the car. Uh, there seems to be a bit of bad luck heading his way every race with one thing or another. Yes, we are very much Daniel Ricciardo biased. Yes, he is the better driver out of the two McLaren drivers. If you don't believe that, you're in the wrong podcast. It says it on the tin. Uh, but Freya, <laughs> it does. as I mean, we were at MTC, we get to see a little bit behind the scenes from a business point of view, from Zach Brown really trying to wring the most out of IndyCar Extreme and F1. You know, it's very hard. Sorry, it's very easy to jump on the negative train, isn't it? When we go, well, McLaren aren't giving Daniel the right car. This is happening. That's everything else. I mean, I don't want to put the conspiracy tinfoil beanie on uh, in terms of, you know, him versus Lando. But there has been a lot of conversation around, you know, changing the guard. Yes, around Formula One in general. We're seeing these younger drivers now outperforming some of the older guard. Unfortunately, Daniel now is falling into that. Uh, realm, which is disappointing at best considering same age. But for, for us as fans, as DR <laughs> fans, and, and from him being consistently quick when he has an opportunity to, we shouldn't be putting him in the bin so quickly, should we?
2: No, it's, it's like you said, it's easiest not to support somebody when they're not performing. It's easy to support someone when, when they're winning. But I think from a fan perspective, and I say this as a D supporter so I know what I'm talking about, um, It's <laughs> that's the easy time to support them is when, when they're winning and you've got to be able to do the same when they're not. Like otherwise going into your bandwagon territory and get in the bin. But I think <laughs> the other thing with with all of this hmm. is that well, we just don't know what's actually going on. Like, yes, we've got theories, or you might hear certain things about setup problems, or I don't know, whatever it might be, but we just don't know what's going on. And I think, to an extent, you've just got to, at least from the driver's perspective, kind of just trust that he's there because he's still got that massive, you know, um, motivation to to drive and just absolutely loves it. And you hear it from Alonso as well and people saying, oh, you know, time to to move on. It's like, well, no, I still bloody love racing and I'm good at it, by the way, and I deserve to be on the track, the top 20 drivers. So I think you've got to know that the time will come when DR doesn't have that drive anymore and he'll make that decision for himself.
0: Mm. Yeah. It seemed that there was an issue with the car which meant he had to push a lot harder in his warm-up lap to get to the line in time to cross it, which meant he didn't have full battery uh, to, to go across the lap and the tyres weren't uh, in the premium window. So, again, lots of niggly things. It's very unfortunate for him. Um, of course, we still love him. Everyone listening to this podcast love him too. Um, and if you don't, well, here's the door. Uh Charles, though, <laughs> wasn't very happy with his qualifying lap, um, which is interesting because he got pole and he he said after qualifying, you know, <laughs> I've got to be happy with it. But he, if Max Verstappen hadn't made that mistake, we may have seen a bit of a grand slam from Max this weekend. Certainly, Tommy T, the Red Bull did look faster. The problem was through practice as well, uh, Red Bull just didn't have that long running that a lot of these other teams did. And Max was sort of <laughs> learning yeah. as he was going along.
1: Yeah, and I think that's like one of the big things to take away from these first couple of races is the reliability that Red Bull are struggling with. They have a very fast car when it can finish a race or when it can get to qualifying or through a practice, but they've got a lot of problems that they're dealing with and it feels like they're throwing some Band-Aids week to week and I wonder if when we get to the more European part of the season that they'll be able to bring some more reliable, I don't know, setups and parts and being closer continentally to home base rather than being literally on the other side of the world for most of the start of this season has been probably tough for that kind of stuff. So um, yeah, for for Charles not to be happy, I guess that's because he probably figured Max would have a better lap coming as well, but Max didn't even end up finishing that lap. I think he kind of aborted it uh, most of the way around anyway. Uh, but he he did cross the line and he he was on a hot lap and then just faded away, didn't he? Just decided that he didn't. No, he so he went off the track. So I think at some out. some point around five or right. six, he he made an error and just
0: exceeded track limits. So yeah, I mean,
1: there, there's no yeah. wait, no point. It did look closer, didn't mm-hmm. it, for him to cross the line before the checkered flag for that final lap. But I mean, Max knew that he had that in there, so that's probably the main thing. Uh, and and obviously Charles then knew that. Max was going to be the quickest that weekend. So that's probably why he was frustrated with himself as well that he didn't actually nail that lap.
2: It's pretty impressive from the Red Bulls though. They went in with so little data after free practice to then yeah. come out with third and fourth on the grid. It's actually pretty amazing I think in terms of, and like you said, the, the Verstappen would have been on pole if it wasn't for that, that little error at the end. So interesting. And like you said, Leclerc must know that. <laughs> you know, it was his but only just. Yes.
0: Yeah, the, the biggest news, though, for qualifying was Valtteri Bottas out-qualifying both Mercedes, um, and goodness did the memes come, and they came thick and fast, and I was absolutely here for it. <laughs> VB had a, up until the last couple of laps in the race, which we'll talk about, but had a pretty stonking weekend all around. TT, he is a yep. very happy boy now for Romeo, isn't he? He is. Yeah,
1: he's, he's doing well, and it's exactly what we thought or we kind of hoped would happen, would be he'd get a little bit more relaxed, he'd be in a, an environment where he was the focus and the team was centred around him rather than just being this kind of like you are a cog in this gigantic Mercedes wheel and you must do these few things and always yield to the might of Lewis Hamilton and Mercedes in general. So it's been great to see VB a bit more relaxed and getting the results that we we know he could. And, I mean, he's probably feeling like, well, you made the choice to get rid of me. George has been doing well, but he's like, you can argue that I've been doing just as well in inferior equipment. Like no, one, no one's thinking that Alfa Romeo is actually better than the Mercedes car. Um, and, and VB is putting in really consistent and dominating his teammate, who is very young, but that's the only competition you've really got. Like mm. we, we look at, at a Haas and we'll talk about them later, but that was flipped. Like the young buck is giving the old veteran, a bit of a run. And that's not happening at Alpha Romeo. It is quite clearly VB dominating. The other surprise was
0: Esteban Ocon not even participating because he his crash in practice was so much so that the chassis was damaged. So a brand new chassis, uh, which was a whole new car effectively now, then for Esteban for the race, which we we'll then talk a little bit about. But yeah, in terms of, of this pace, as you say, Mick Schumacher out-qualifying his teammate, 15th for him, 16th for K-Mag. Dia was 14th. It was interesting with, with Stroll and, and Seb Vettel as well, Freya. Stroll was uh, qualified in, in 10th and, and Seb in 13th. Um, it seems like Lance has found a little something to be fair to him in qualifying, I mean, that uh, Aston Martin is still not so great, um, but he is still outperforming his teammate in Seb Vettel, who, as we all know, King Seb, but <laughs> is absolutely now starting on his tail end of his career.
2: Yeah, and I think to, to Tommy's point earlier, for Stroll, Vettel's the only person he's got to beat. Um, The card doesn't seem to be progressing terribly quickly though. Um, they're still up and about perhaps more than I thought they might be at this point in the season. But for Stroll, he, I think he does look a bit more comfortable in the car maybe, but then at the same time he just goes and does stupid stuff like he did in Melbourne and you go, yeah, no, nah, you're in the bin. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's it's all right. I could, again, with any other team as well, I don't want to see them failing because that's it's not not good to consistently see a team perform poorly. Um, but as long as he's beating Vettel, that's all he can really be expected to do. But, um, yeah, I'm here for Seb to make a comeback in Barcelona.
0: <laughs> yes, I think we all are for that. Um, anyway, it's an interesting qualifying session, of course. Hardly any data for any of these teams, even less so for Red Bull, uh, considering the lack of running they had, long running they had in practice. Uh, but, of course, it all led to Miami Grand Prix. The race. Let us talk now about the race just as a whole before we dive in. Uh, firstly... They might have qualified pretty okay, but then they went ahead and froze the fuel. Aston Martin, geez, I don't know what, <laughs> I mean, I'm not a mechanic, I'm not an engineer, but if everyone else has got it correct. Someone else has not got it correct in that garage, and that is amateur hour, rookie season, all across. You know, they were could have absolutely been fighting for points, although yeah, Stroll ended up with one, but for both Seb as well. That was pretty disappointing to see, Tommy T, wasn't it?
1: it's just one of these things that shouldn't be an issue but this is why we consider f1 a team sport i guess the drivers can do everything they want but they've got to have a good team to do these little things and that's such a big mistake to have to start from the pit lane it's very frustrating I'm sure for the guys who've qualified and the team everyone else in the team whose responsibility is not that who's done such a hard hard job like getting to that point to just have some frozen fuel be such a such a penalty but Them's, them's the rules uh, and that's how <laughs> F1 is. It's very it's very much like that, isn't it? Like to the letter of the law. So, yeah, disappointing, but it's, <laughs> you just got to laugh at these things. That's, that's what we, yeah. we enjoy about F1 as well. Like it's just the stupidity of some of these things or like I remember back to the Mercedes when you could play that like Benny Hill music of them running in and out of the garage dressed <laughs> up in old costumes and stuff like that's the funny stuff that we remember like yep. these little stupid moments like that why is that even a thing mm. that you froze the fuel it's just f1 yes uh, throwback
0: to them not being able to start the car for Nico Hulkenberg when you replaced Sergio Perez in Silverstone <laughs> as Hulkenback 1.0 and I uh, didn't even get out yep. which was uh which is very sad to see um the other interesting couple of bits and pieces we almost had some canadian on canadian crime again tommy t um there was a ap- look and i didn't say this at the beginning let's be very honest this was a very boring race up until a pierre Gasly made it Threw a bit of spice onto it for us and uh, thanks Pierre. appreciate that but um we almost had Latifi. Everyone's like, when's Latifi going to crash? Because obviously that is the thing. Freya said, you know, don't make that be your thing this year, Latifi. Too bad, he said, um, doing it anyway. <laughs> and she's ruined it. But uh, <laughs> when uh, we had Lance Stroll and Lick Latifi sort of fighting wheel to wheel, we were like, here we go. <laughs> we got these two all over again. Um, Freya, though, they, they kept it pretty clean, and which was interesting and disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would
2: better say. Um, I haven't actually decided how I'd feel about that. It was both interesting and, in fact, disappointing as well. Um, but, yeah, I, mean, I was glad to see that Latifi um, didn't do what he usually does, so that's good. He's breaking his uh, his bad juju, as I would call it in Miami. Um, so that was <laughs> good to see that not happen.
0: The other, I mean, there was a couple of wheel taps. It's interesting, isn't it, TT? You know, brand-new season, brand-new regulations. The amount of knocks these cars can now have. I mean, last mm. year and the year before, of course, if you had proper wheel-to-wheel um, it's generally okay, sort of sidewall, but anything sort of f- further behind than that was no good. Of course, with uh, Norris and Gasly, that's what happened. But Alonso had an issue into Gasly, and yeah, that w- would have forced Pierre to retire. But for Fernando, you know, again, if, if it was different regulations, TT it would have been game over and bloody carbon fiber in a million bits yeah. all over the track. So that is starting to, we're starting to see drivers take a little bit more. Of a risk, um, maybe not all of the drivers mm-hmm. that I would like to see take risks, but certainly Fernando Alonso, who <laughs> has absolutely nothing to lose, is doing that. Um, but it's it's yep. better
1: racing, right? Yeah, I think the fact that you aren't instantly punished with a, a a puncture that writes off your race completely is a good thing. Like you should have that little bit of like, what do they say? Like rubbing is racing. Like that's kind of what we want. You want to have those like little little touches here and there. You want to be able to get as close to contact as possible. And if you overstep the line, like you're not punished and end up in a fireball. That's not what we want to see. We want to see these cars have a bit more like, uh, I suppose like uh, strength and ability to finish races and get through these things. And like you said in previous podcasts, the fact that they're not just disintegrating onto the track in a million pieces is also great. Like those regulation changes have been awesome as well that – things are staying more together that they're like the front wings now are are way stronger and stay together in one piece as much as possible, rather than just like shards of insanely sharp carbon fiber everywhere. Mm. That's, that's really good to see. So I'm all for it. I think that's a really good change that they've made. And I think, I mean, it's,
0: and we'll talk about Val's a little bit later, but the, the contact with the wall that he made, which allowed Lewis and George to get past traditionally previously carbon fiber everywhere, but you know, a bit of a knock and not a small knock, everything's still fine and I re- I genuinely love that about the new regulations I think that is fantastic Freya um, was a bit of a old dear mentor crash Mick Schumacher, Seb Vettel um, it was always going to happen I, I sort of had this feeling because considering Haas has sort of been towards the back and so Aston Martin it's like cool well they've been very respectful but someone's going to make a mistake and how are they going to see that um, for both of them though absolutely no anger which was very, very nice to see, very gentlemanly of them both. And Mick saying, you know, I didn't understand why that happened, so I'm going to talk to Seb and I'll, and I'll learn from that and understand. Seb's going to say, well, <laughs> I, did, I didn't think you we were going to go in there, and you did. Get in there. Don't get in there, Mick. Get out of there. Um, but it was, it was interesting to see like, how that all sort of unfolded and, and that's, uh, it would have been hard for both of them to, to contain their anger, I feel.
2: Oh, maybe. Like at the same time, though, you've got two people who are a professionals, b you know, just mature people who know how to handle racing incidents like that. You know, it's it would probably have been a different response if it was a different driver and Vettel or a different driver and Schumacher, even. Although he just seems to be pretty even tempered, but yeah, I think it probably is actually easier for them to do that in comparison to others because, especially from mixed perspective. He can just see it for what it is when how am I going to learn from it, make sure it doesn't happen again. Um, and and who better to do it than the person who I crashed into to teach me how not to do that again. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I like I don't think it would necessarily have been difficult to, yeah, contain the anger as much as you would have seen perhaps with others, um, because they're they're mature professionals and we'll just learn from it and move on.
0: The the interesting thing for me in this race, and I mentioned it earlier, but it's the Gasly Norris incident, Tommy T. Um, Norris thought it was a bit of a silly thing. You could call it a racing incident. Uh, and if you, if you go back and listen to post-race and the issues that were going on, Gasly blames Alonso for this crash (laughs) because of Alonso's contact with Gasly a couple of corners before, um, by all accounts, Gasly was on the radio to say that he was going to retire from the race. So it seems like a very unfortunate incident. I'm confused as to why Mm. Pierre didn't just completely stay to the very side of the track, but it just, it, unlike the uh, Canadian on Canadian crime TT that we saw in Australia, where there was just a stupid manoeuvre by one person, it it just feels like the lines just kind of slightly crossed. And unlike most of the wheel to wheel racing that we've seen, that there's been some contact with the the centre of the wheels. As I mentioned, it caught it was just slightly ahead of, of Norris's wheel. It caught his wheel and which spun it right off. You know, the complete rim of it, the tire itself and sent it hurtling down the road, but how do you see that? Because it's not really one person's fault more than the other, is it?
1: I th- I think you probably have to give like the lion's share to Gasly in that because it is on him if he is going to remove himself from the track and is going well below 50% of like the delta speed there. It's kind of on him to get out of people's way because Lando is coming around a corner. Lando did have more room, mm. but he's also probably thinking, well, you're off when I can see you as I'm coming around that corner and all of a sudden you're back in the middle or moving towards the middle. Like, why are you doing that? Um, I think Gasly just didn't see that there was another car coming through the two that he let through. I think that's what it was. Mm. And he was just like, yep, we're going to continue poodling around back to the pits and just retire the car. I think it's just a, an honest misunderstanding. I don't think there's anything malicious or anything going on there I think it was just literally didn't see the car and was like oh damn it like Mm. it is I'm glad that there was for how big of an impact there was no other impact into a wall I think Lando was so close to having his car shoot into a concrete barrier and it was lucky that it didn't so relieved that that didn't happen and his, his car was somewhat okay other than that tire getting rocketed down down the rest of the track but yeah I think it's just an honest mistake and you just got to check your mirrors, mate. I think he was on the <laughs> radio at the time. There was a bit of conjecture that maybe he was talking as well and distracted in that respect. So that's probably another thing to do is just if you are going to retire the car, just focus on maybe getting it home and then talk to Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah and you see that in the replay of that, that, that just before it happened. Don't think You don't see his head move, not in the same way that you would like with Stroll, for example. You can see him check his mirrors. He wasn't doing that. So, yeah, let's go back to 101, (laughs) driving 101 Uh, and doing one thing at a time. Don't talk on the phone while you're driving and check your mirrors. (laughs) Tommy
0: T's, not television broadcaster, Tommy T's driving school. Uh, You can find that on uh, (laughs) thomasjcamp.com.au forward slash Tommy T's driving school. Maybe
1: I can give you uh, and Campy some lessons, James, about how to drive a... Stop it. I can't. Stop heard it. About you needed a bit of help last time. <laughs> <laughs> you can give Campy. Campy only lasted two last stories. You his can neck give Campy
0: away. some neck exercises so he doesn't lose it in <laughs> the Oh no, this is just feeling a bit crook. No, mate, you were slow. You were very, very slow. It was no good. You were you were taking up all of the track and not for the right reasons. Uh, Campy the back marker. <laughs> <laughs> he is actually the back marker of this podcast. <laughs> um, oh, <Old> blue flag. <laughs> <laughs>
1: A pretty a pretty <laughs>
2: Good to get him blue beanie to go with it. Oh <laughs> uh, yes.
0: Yes, that's uh, that's very good. Um interestingly, so uh. yeah, it was it's one of those things we, we saw, Freya uh, and TT, I'm sure you saw this too. Race finishes, uh, drivers take helmets off, and they look sick. They look ill. Oh. like heat stroke or something similar, you know, dehydrated. DR did a thing on Instagram to, to everyone a couple of hours, uh, hours after back at the hotel and he still sounded not like himself. It was it just – it's a very interesting thing to see because, yes, these guys are peak athletes and it's, it's very, very hard what they do, but it was very hot yesterday, very humid.
2: It was really hot. And like you said, every single one of them, when they started you know, getting cameras on them after the race, they looked ill. Um, they were – Pale, the even even under their eyes, or kind of you get that that shadowy kind of appearance, just absolutely drained with with nothing left. Max looked terrible. Claire looked terrible. Carlos just took all his clothes off in the the media room afterwards, and then you could hear it in their voices as well. Dr. did not sound like himself at all. Extremely breathy, Um, and yeah, it was really really hot. And we were talking about you know, when you start seeing that in a driver after a race, at what point do you start talking about driver safety um, and where you're racing when and that type of thing in terms of just what you're putting their bodies through? And I understand, you know, it's also a sport. This is the absolute peak of their sport, fine. But also, you know, we have options. There's so many races. I think there's way too many races. Um, but you have different tracks, different times that you can be racing and is it absolutely necessary to be racing now in Miami. Mm. It's bloody hot. The only difficulty if they want to keep the Miami race, which I think is a 10-year contract, is that it's very hard to find both gaps in the sporting calendar in Miami because you've got everything else that goes on around Hard Rock, but then also you've got a large portion of the year which is ruled out from hurricane season. So it's going to be difficult to find an alternative time, but for the race itself, yeah, they all looked absolutely ruined.
0: Yeah, and you can never pick the weather, like obviously get that, but it was hot all week, Uh, the the ruinedness of these drivers, all of them, and we could only see three, effectively three, because that was, you know, the cool-down room. But, you know, with Max entering on whatever that situation was with the Harley-Davidson Highway Patrol, which looked great, but I was very confused how the (laughs) Ferrari drivers were both there already (laughs) um, and he went the long way around. But they didn't say anything for ages. Like Max stood there after arriving, the two Ferrari boys sitting down already, and they just stood there. And then finally Max went up to, you know, give... Charles a uh, high five and and not because he was half-assed because he was pissed that he lost. He just looked like he had absolutely no energy left. You could see it with the champagne. Anyway, it's just very interesting to me because I think it's, you know, racing for racing's sake. I know Stefano Domenicali wants, you know, as many new races as possible. And some of those ideas are great. Replacing some of those rubbish tracks is a good thing. But the key word there is replacing, not adi- not adding. We don't need 25, 26 races yeah. uh, to, for a Formula 1 calendar for the main reason that as fans of the sport, no matter where you are in the world, uh, it's not a good time to watch all the time. Uh, yes, okay, Europe, UK mm-hmm. generally pretty good. Uh, Australia always rubbish except for the Australian Grand Prix, but even then, um has pretty bad and the US can be pretty bad. So it, it's an interesting conversation, I think, for, for the future, yes, for the next 10 years like I think Miami will get better. They've got more data now to maybe change parts of the track uh, if that needs to be done with the DRS zone. And like they should have done already with Jeddah, but, the, you know, that. and even then they moved the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix from the end of this, this season to the very beginning of the season for this year. So hopefully they have a yep. look to do that because you'd hate for someone to have an, an, an issue because it wouldn't take much. You know, if a, if a drink system stopped working in a car, like if Kimi did not have the drink in that race, yeah. He wouldn't oh, have got out of the car.
1: That's dangerous. Yeah. Um,
0: so I think it's it's yeah. interesting to see, but it was it was hard to celebrate. I imagine for them. Uh, all right, let's go through our team by team analysis as we always do. We'll start at the very back, um, which is Haas this time. Very uh, unfortunately, Mick Schumacher fifteenth, uh, and K. Mag didn't end up finishing. Um, And I didn't see this, uh, but the classification is is a DNF um, for for whatever reason, but uh, it was, as you said, Tommy T, earlier, the young buck Mm. getting up over the veteran. Very great terminology, by the way. I like it a lot. Um, And it's kind of the mixture Schumacher that people should have been expecting to see right from the beginning. Yes, Mm. Kane and has been as his teammate, um, and, and he absolutely wiped the floor with him. But Mick did some great moves on people, including, unfortunately, Daniel Ricciardo.
1: Yep. I wonder if it was because no one has driven this track before. It's brand new. And I wonder if the younger drivers are more adapt to sim work and putting in the practice than some of the older drivers, because this is just how they've had to learn and come up so much of their racing career as juniors would have been sims and all those kind of things, and they've just grown up with it like technology that we've grown up that our parents didn't have. I think that's a little bit of what is happening with this younger generation. He, he was outstanding, his qualifying was really good. Uh, really unfortunate because he was on for points potentially, um, which would it be his first ever points, I'm pretty sure. Uh, but really good showing and. It wasn't just like he he had an an anomaly that made him beat his teammate in qualifying it was like out and out pace he was he was on it and he was competitive with everyone else so really good to see and you hope the Haas team can continue developing that car and I mean they're going to be in America a lot more we've got three races next year we've got another race later this year and a Canadian race so you really want the Haas team to have a showing because if they're gonna have this kind of turnout for American events, you need the American team to be showing something. Mm. Um so it was a really good start from him. Uh disappointed he couldn't get his point, but that's motor racing, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Michael. Uh,
0: but for you, Freya, K Mag, we still love K Mag. Of course. But it did not really seem like he could get it together very well for this weekend.
2: No. And I was I was actually thought we would see more Haas kind of activity around the track and around the city, generally speaking, yeah. and it just wasn't really there. Right. It was everything was Red Bull and McLaren really. And obviously Lewis's face is just everywhere because it already is, but um, it was very much a, a Red Bull weekend. Um, and then there's a lot of papaya as well around. So I thought we'd see more Haas activity, but it just, yeah, kind of a bit of a nothing weekend for them really and really disappointing for, for KMAG as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, and a little bit half-hassed. <laughs> Thanks, Tommy T. Uh, but it, it's interesting. Disappointed in myself. That was yeah. bad. <laughs> as you should be. Put yourself <laughs> in the bin. We'll remove you later. Um, it, it, interesting that, uh, and I think Sandra mentioned this last night. as we were having some drinks that, from a marketing point of view, from a branding point of view, uh, one of the few teams to not do a special Miami, uh, special US livery. Um, uh, not livery but you know merchandise and that sort of other stuff and so it's hard for the US team to you know build this fan base in the US if they're not going to invest in things like that so maybe that shows a state of where they are at the moment where they're just trying to focus on literally getting the car onto the grid each weekend and yes budget caps are fine um, and we of course know what happened at the beginning of the year with with the previous sponsor and the previous driver so there's potentially still some issues around that too but it's it's interesting for me as you say that Red Bull Absolutely fan-focused. Always have been, always will be. Rebel activations, free stuff. You know, there was a, a replica of Max's car. In Winwood. there was a whole bunch of other stuff. You know, the skydiving team, the helicopters, the, the display planes. It was everywhere. But almost disappointing and a wasted opportunity for the American team to not do more American things in America. Who would have thought? Uh, next is McLaren, which is disappointing again. because so far down, yeah. uh, and the reason it's so far down is because DR got handed a five-second penalty after crossing the line, so the stewards have decided because on uh, the penultimate lap, the lap before that, he left the track and gained an advantage whilst battling with Kevin Magnuson, um, which made his 11th place 13th, which only meant You know, a pointless weekend for him in many ways, more in all of the ways of that word than just (laughs) the one, but really hard. And we said it just before. I mean, he was obviously absolutely buggered uh, getting out of the heat, but very hard weekend for McLaren. Interesting now to see the McLaren fans, uh, a lot of them, and we're talking about, you know, don't get off the DR train. He never left. He still hasn't left. But there's a lot of people now putting McLaren as a hole in the bin. Um, the the absolute legends of fans who are staying true to that are staying true. But there's a lot of fair wins fans from Drive to Survive, I feel, and some of the successes that came from last year, but really not a weekend Freya that they will want to remember anytime soon.
2: No, not at all. And it's it's honestly it's hard to know what to say. I think with Ricardo, he didn't seem to there were moments in qualifying and I thought he had more pace than we were kind of seeing but just didn't seem to get get it together and then just seemed to rapidly go downhill. Um, had an all right start but then just, yeah, it was just so upsetting to see. Um, and then you kind of go Norris, <laughs> although the reaction as soon as Norris crashed was, <laughs> excellent, Ricardo's going to outperform Norris, which is actually what <laughs> we're all here for. Yes. Um, not that we want to see McLaren DNF but, um, yeah, it's another weekend that's just difficult as a supporter. Um, But we'll see what happens in Barcelona. I'm not a huge fan of Barcelona track. It's a bit boring. So I fear that it's going to kind of be another one of these weekends, unfortunately, but hopefully they at least get some pace
0: at least in Barcelona for testing behind closed doors that didn't actually exist, McLaren were the fastest. So there's potentially, I mean, they won't be anymore. But it's interesting, TT, uh, and we obviously didn't have you last week from Imola, but it was just saying that McLaren looked like the third fastest car on the grid or grid on the car. Um, and hopefully <laughs> we would see that continue through different things. Was it track specific? Was it not? Imola, very similar to Australia. Very evidently then, this is... Renault 2018, uh, sorry, 2019, 2020 for DR, where he, on some tracks he is absolutely incredibly performing yep. well. Um, for others, it, it's absolutely not. And for, for Lando, he was probably on for P9, so some good points, at least to the team, to try and you know get them along, but absolutely not the third fastest car on the grid this weekend.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I think I remember was it was maybe two seasons ago when the Mercedes was useless on tires in hotter temperatures when we went to the desert and things. And I think the McLaren suffers a little bit from that as well. We remember the brake issues. They couldn't quite get those temperatures correct. I think McLaren is going to struggle when the track uh, surface heats up uh, because the tires will just fall off a lot faster than anyone else's and they can't get them in that optimal window. So I, I wonder if that's a bit more specific than track specific, more temperature specific. Um, and it's kind of been evident so far, so we'll, we'll have to wait and see. And hopefully, uh, we go back to Europe and that's a bit more consistent for them. Uh, but yeah, it's it's pretty frustrating, isn't it? That last week they can have a good showing and look really competitive, like you said. And I, I agree. I think when they're on form, third third best is is definitely on the cards. But they just didn't look like they were. I don't know, even in the mid pack this hmm. week. They were they were right back down, and they looked like they were just clawing for anything they could get. And they were they were that plucky team, looking opportunistic rather than competitive, like they should be. Yeah, and when you're getting overtaken by both Haas cars
0: um, in DR, it's it's very very difficult and struggling to get past the AlfaTari of Yuki Tsunoda, who. Didn't also have that good a weekend um, with Gasly bailing out, regardless of the crash or not. After Alonso's contact, Gasly was DNFing. Um, but, yeah, Yuki finishing in 12th. This is uh, – it's hard to not <laughs> – it's hard to not have Pierre in the bin slightly for this, for for the reasons that you said earlier, the lion's share, that potentially with him um, – for John, absolutely, he's not in the bin <laughs> as much as Campy would love to put him there. But for Alpha Tauri as a whole as a weekend, you know they they were absolutely even in the merchandise store that we saw. The second team, absolutely not the sister team, where the hats were a good 25 US dollars cheaper than the Rebel hats, even being sold at the same stand. <laughs> Tell me that's not the same team or at the same level without telling me. Uh, but yeah, there was kind of a bit yeah. of a nothing again. You know, we saw a little bit of Sonoda only because DR and Lando had some interaction with him. And then, of course, Lando and, and uh, having the interaction with Pierre. But it's funny, isn't it, Frey, that. Alfio seemed to have dropped off more significantly than we were expecting, considering the inverted common sister team in Red Bull is so much further ahead in field.
2: Yeah. yeah, and I think it was I kind of had slightly higher hopes for both Pierre and Yuki after qualifying. I think they both qualified in top ten, so I kind of thought, oh, all right, you've got something to work with here. And Gasly, in particular, is like he qualified in seventh. He's very good at then sitting in seventh once he gets himself there. So it yeah. was disappointing for for him. And then Yuki, um yeah, it was, it was, there were moments where he had some some good battles, but um yeah, disappointing for him not to finish in in the points. And like you said, when it comes to him and or when it comes to uh Aftari and Red Bull and the very clear disparity there when it comes to just the value of the team Um, and like you said it plays out in simple things like the cost of a cap but um, yeah like you said nothing weekend for them
0: Williams though tell you what that was a something weekend for them. Um, Albono ninth. Well he's tenth technically but because of Alonso also leaving the track to gain at a lasting advantage which I think they should just rename that to the Alonso (laughs) rule um, (laughs) because it's his favourite thing to do when he can has an opportunity to do it. The penultimate lap Alonso did that Um, and uh, as such, he got five-second penalty to go with his five-second penalty with a contact with Gasly, which demoted him from ninth to 11th, promoting Alex Albon up into ninth, Uh, and it's great points to the team. Jos Capito will be very, very happy, Tommy T, with that. Uh, Latifi, unfortunately, doing nothing in 14th, but Albon clearly the leading driver in that team.
1: Yeah, I I like what he's done since he's got to Williams. He's been pushing like... They were previously with George and Latifi. He's been that kind of like, we're opportunistic. We're going to take every advantage we can and we're going to maximize points potential. It doesn't matter. He's like, if we're not making points, who cares? The The, the points for 11th to 20th is nothing. So we might as well go all eggs in that basket of getting a point or two points. Um, so I, I really like that style from Williams. It's, it's much more exciting to watch when you've got teams doing alternate strategies rather than just playing it safe. So... And Albon's capitalized twice now, I think, with points, which is great. Um, and hopefully the car comes along and then that can be a bit more competitive and they can, I don't know, turn that into something. But they're definitely not the the worst team anymore, I, I wouldn't think. I think they're, they're consistent and they're always pushing right on the fringe of points, which is a massive upgrade from being the back marker and cruising around at the very back and just being blue flagged from like the third lap, which is just ridiculous. So very exciting. And yeah, Yoss will be happy because he is a very competitive person. And I feel like the way that he's running that team is we're racing ourselves and we're racing to get points. We're not trying to win the championships because that's an irrational goal. But he's like, what we are trying to do is set these goals for ourselves, which is score points in every single race we can. Um, And Albon's doing a great job
0: for that. It's interesting that you say they're not the worst team on the grid anymore, because I actually don't think there is a worst team on the grid. I think this is the big change that the new regulations have brought about, Freya. We've got you know, as, as TT said, you know, historically Haas and Williams would be, you know, lap five and they'd be be overtaken for the second time. Um, but now it's it's not the case. Aston Martin were really struggling in the beginning of the year, but now they've sort of come back. Williams kind of were as well. McLaren has struggled. Has struggled. Basically anyone with a Mercedes power unit has struggled. Uh, but Williams, <laughs> to the point, you know, that they've removed a lot of paint from the car. You know they're trying to get gains in every possible way. If you look at delivery from the launch in Barcelona um, to delivery the now, there's a lot more uh, black on the car because of the paint's been removed. But it's interesting that it's, because Yost has clearly come in and he's changed the thought process of the team. Not to say Claire Williams ever did a bad thing with that; it's just different. But the way that things are developing and changing now, Williams Freya seems to be on the up and up and Albon absolutely dragging the team by the scruff of the neck along with Yost and delivering them some points and results which is so good for everyone.
2: Oh absolutely and that's when you said that Tommy I was about to say like who do you think the worst team is because I don't have an answer for it um to your to your point so it's yeah it's an interesting one and, and like I said it's good it's good not to have um, a team kind of just consistently just following everybody else around and, you know, <laughs> hoping that they finish every race. its That's not good for quality racing. It's not good for fan viewing. It's not good for people who work at any point of, a, you know, development to know that every week you're going to come in and, and finish last. It's not beneficial for the sport. Yeah. So it's great to see that that's being mixed up. Um, I think from a Williams perspective, yeah, I think Albon should obviously keep his hair red because he goes faster when he's Got red hair, but, <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, but sorry, what? Did he dye his hair for he's, the weekend? Yeah,
2: well, he's he di- yeah. He
1: dyes his hair all the time. He does it all the time. Yeah. It's quite Chloe, funny. Clearly, just have missed that. I think he had it green for for Melbourne. Yeah, it was, it wow. Was that different. is fabulous. Yeah, so what red. Great red, red goes
2: faster though, as, as we've learned. Yee-haw, so let's let's go with that. Yeah,
1: that.
2: <laughs> but it's it's also really <laughs> enjoyable as again as a fan to watch without Bond coming back, and it obviously shows that while he might not have been in the car last year, you kind of go, you're learning so much throughout that process that he's now bringing to Williams, which is awesome to see and to be respected and liked, obviously, in that team Um, and and enjoying himself much like we see with VB with that move. He appears to be enjoying himself a lot more. And and like you said, it kind of does play out in results. But it's a different mindset team for the for the um, for that team when you get mm. that shift in leadership as well, um, which is going to influence every person who's in, involved with with getting the car on the grid, and making it go fast.
0: Fernando Alonso said ahead of the race this weekend that it's the best start to a season he's had in a long time, a very long time. I mean, he's been in the sport for <laughs> seventy five years since the first race. It feels like. Um, Unfortunate because he he was on um, for nights, uh, eights and nights, Esteban Ocon finishing in eighth, um, which is as much as we say this about Esteban, it's a phenomenal recovery uh, considering he started third last, considering he didn't even qualify um, to get that far up. Safety cars, of course, played uh, or the safety car, the virtual safety car played a a big role in that um, as it did with George Russell. But for Fernando, if not for leaving the track and gaining an advantage, uh, it would have been a good double points Mm -hmm. for Alpine. Again, as a team, they look pretty good. Uh, Oscar seems to just always be there. It's still unfortunate that we haven't seen him in an FP1 session. Um, I understand for tracks Mm. like Miami where they haven't been here before and they need to get data for the drivers, kind of fair enough. But Alpine, of course you're listening. Otmar, put him in the bloody car, please. We'd like to see him. We'd just like to see his pace
1: comparative to everyone else. Surely Barcelona. Surely, it makes sense. Like that's a track. That's oh, mate, a perfect. Okay. Like it's a practice track. Like let's get him in there. You've got enough data from there. Great point. It's fine. Well, um, as
0: as our number four fan, after all of our mums, um, <laughs> well, there's more.
1: <laughs> there's more of us now, isn't there? No, as the number six fan, <laughs> do that. I think the biggest thing for me was Alonso was just on this reckless, almost like level this weekend. He was just hell for leather, was just going for everything. Just, I don't know. He he seemed kind of like unhinged Alonso. It, it was a bizarre energy he was bringing, but he was just going for every move. He was like making contact. He was just all over the shop. But, I mean, I kind of liked it. It was good. It, it wasn't this – because so many people were like, we're coming into Miami, no one knows the track, let's be conservative. He was like, let's go for it. This is – opportunity to kind of make some points and he was, he was going to make some points and he was racing really well until he made contact, until he went off the track and they kind of just <laughs> ended up stacking penalties on top of him, didn't they? Um But it made for some excitement in an otherwise boring race. So I'm here for it and you keep doing you Alonso, because we love it.
2: And well, also if DR can do that as well, that'd be great. Yeah. That's the thing is that exactly yeah. what you've just described is what I think from a DR fan perspective, we want to see and what we kind of used to see. And and we were talking about this watching the race yesterday. Um, it doesn't look like he's taking those risks as much anymore. And you kind of, yeah, to quote Campy, even at times kind of going breaking at ghosts, it's uh seems to be a bit of a, a thing. But yeah, so that that aggression and that kind of un, slightly unhinged um yeah, odd odd but awesome racing um, is kind of what I from DR. And it was the attitude that he had when he went, in, went into Monza. We saw that from the start of the weekend. He was just in another zone. And I just want to say that yeah. again.
0: Yeah, DR not as comfortable with the car as Fernando clearly is comfortable with that car. Um, also, Fernando didn't, and we haven't actually spoken about this, but the Miami Grand Prix launch, Tommy T, uh, I don't know if you saw that, the massive festival that was... Welcome to Miami, and all of the drivers getting you know announced, and there's huge crowds and all that sort of other stuff. And the only person who wasn't there is Fernando Alonso. He's <laughs> like, "No, nah, I'm so good. <laughs> I definitely <laughs> do bit. not need to do that. <laughs> that. That everything is absolutely fine." Um, what did you think of their merchandise this weekend, TT? I mean, lots of people obviously lent into the the, the light blue and the light pink, um, which yeah, kind of suits very Miami vibes exactly. But uh, their yep. their team shirts yep. looked pretty cool, I thought.
1: They did. No, they did. I think I th- I, w- I would have liked to see some liveries. I saw like we'll mm. go back to AlphaTauri quickly. They had a sick livery that they released on Instagram and then they only had the kind of shoulder insert that was that. I was like, why didn't you just change the whole thing? Is there rules against livery changes? uh you're only allowed one a year or something like helmet. I, I imagine or so. Well,
0: helmets now are completely different, but uh, yeah, for livery. Well, I mean, maybe yeah. not. I mean, considering well, McLaren's had 70,000 yeah. sponsors on the side of their car being added each
1: it's week. true. Yeah. I think, yeah. Watch Liberty media change that and there'll be a different livery for almost every race soon enough, I reckon. Um, but no, I think the whole like embracing of Miami was good to see across all the teams kind of like with their merchandise and, you saw McLaren do the same thing with like a, a black with the blue and pink kind of stripe. That looked cool. Um, I mean, it's America. This is where you are going to sell merch because everyone needs some kind of physical item to take home. Otherwise, you can't prove that you were there and spent <laughs> an inordinate amount of friggin' money to be standing in a swamp watching cars go around. <laughs> well, you couldn't even watch them. You can just listen to them. But that's just America. The… Capitalism works, hey? Oh, I love that. I love that so much. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's very <laughs> funny.
0: Um, <laughs> let's keep going. Let's talk about Aston Martin. Uh, as we mentioned, uh, Lance Stroll in 10th, Seb in 17th after that contact. Otherwise, Seb was on for uh, a pretty good run as well. They're starting to get their stuff together a little bit, it seems, TT, um, which is, as Freya said before, you don't want teams just flailing around at the back. Uh, they are sharing with other teams. Mercedes power unit teams, the worst car of the weekend, let's say, instead of just the worst car on the grid, full stop. Um, but, yeah, an interesting time. It, it's still interesting to me to see the massive vibe shift in Aston Martin um, because of Lawrence Stroll and, and the way that that, that is. Um, but for for you, for, for Lance, I mean, he he did technically finish outside of the points and he was only promoted because of Alonso, but he he, he did have a fairly decent showing this weekend.
1: Yeah. Mm. I wonder if he would have been a bit better if it wasn't in Miami. I think if I had to pick one of the 20 drivers who got Miami'd the most, it would probably be Stroll. (laughs) Um, I think he might have been a little bit distracted uh, with the the off-the-track kind of things. It seems like uh, a bit of his flavour. And I think he might have done better in a a different location maybe. But, yeah, like he ended up with a point, but like you said, it was kind of gifted to him at the end. He hasn't really… Impressed me. Yes, he he had a decent qualifying, but I'm still yet to see a reason that he's I don't know got anything for the next like the future of that team because he's just so vanilla as a person. He's so boring, and as a driver, he's what's worse than vanilla? What's more boring than vanilla? He's like (laughs) I don't know. Like I just don't get anything from him. Like at least like Latifi. You can see some moments like that's exciting. When stroll happens, you're kind of shocked. You're like, oh, you actually did a move. It's it's not, it's not expected. It's kind of like, oh, you actually woke up and decided to be a racing driver. Sam. That's interesting. <laughs> like, sorry, continue being a playboy and do whatever you want to do, other than be a racing driver. Uh, I don't know. It's he doesn't seem like he's that interested in the actual racing and the the craft of being a racing driver as much as he is of being a playboy personality living on a yacht jet setting. And yeah, this is, oh, I can put it in my LinkedIn that I'm an F1 driver. Like it's a nice little thing.
2: (laughs) It's true though. And I think when you talk about the future of the team, it's an interesting point because you look at other drivers like Alonso, Vettel and Hamilton, um, they're all there guiding that next generation of racers through. They're learning from them. They're bringing a lot to the team when it comes to leadership, all of that stuff. And you go, all right, if you're still racing in a couple of years, are you really going to be that person to bring new drivers along with you, help a team to develop and to, you know, help a team to to grow and learn from what's going on? I, just, I haven't seen anything to this point that suggests that he would be that type of future leader, I suppose, mm. when it comes to the sport.
0: That is such a great point. Such a great point. Mm. Uh, and to unfortunately yep. quote Campy again, goodness me, if Stroll Senior was serious about Aston Martin as a Formula One team, he would have booted his son earlier, uh, sorry of ages ago. Um, you know, the fact that the only reason Lawrence got involved with Formula One, when he said it, is to get Lance seats. You know, with Williams initially and then Racing Point, and now Aston Martin, still shows that he's not interested in this in this team really becoming a decent enough team. Yes, the employment of Sebastian Vettel is a good thing. Is it a great thing? Not really because as much as we love Seb, he is not that kind of person that's going to deliver amazing results each weekend. Yes, he's going to help with maybe team culture if a team culture was allowed to exist, all those sorts of other things. And I just (laughs) feel like that it it is just a trap of a team there. Um, I don't think we're ever in a a state anymore about – Looking at teams falling over, or you know, like uh, an arrows or whatever else that in, in historically Minardi, for example, mm, or whatever. But no, I think it's it's pretty safe now. It is pretty safe now, and then, look, there is a decent amount of money. And, and from a road car sense, you know, I think Lawrence has done a fantastic job in, in terms of, helps of sorry, in terms of turning that around. But there is passion involved in Formula One, and as much as you can wheel out a teleprompter, it's not the same thing to to give a heartfelt. Address Anyway, I'm sick of talking about them. Let's talk about Alpha Romeo, who were much, 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 much better. Valtteri Bottas, unfortunately, was absolutely on for fifth, um, made a mistake, ended up in seventh, which is still f- bloody phenomenal considering he's right behind those two Mercedes drivers. Uh, and Joe, unfortunately, had to qualify very, uh, sorry, had to retire very, very early on in the race, Freya. But VB, all of the content of VB, went cycling on the West Coast uh, earlier with Tiffany, Um, there's some great content of them all putting their push bikes into an aeroplane and trying to make that work and crawling over luggage and everything. Anyway, very, very funny. But uh, one thing I will say is um, his old mate, Paul uh, Rivka, I think is how you pronounce his last name, who used to do a lot of the AMG, Mercedes um, social media stuff and, and do a lot of photography. Is back in VB's life, at least for this week. And so all of his content was like next level. Um, do yourself a favor if you haven't looked at VB's social media for the past week, go back and look at it. Very, very good. But for Valtteri, consistently outperforming this car.
2: Yeah, 100%. Like you said, his content this week has been amazing. Um, it's We've said this before, but it's just so evident how much happier he is. And I think it does play out on track, whereby he, when you have a driver who has. A sense of feeling valued, who's respected in the team, Um, and that that plays out when it comes to the the quality of his racing, and he's outperforming the car, he's outperforming his teammate, which is to be expected, but still he is. Um, and oh gosh, I thought he was on for fifth, just watching, and then he had that mistake, but we were talking about earlier with the just how robust the car is was good to see that that didn't actually seem to drop more places than that or result in a much bigger incident um it was a good test of some of those developments so yeah would have loved to see him finish a couple of points higher up which is where he deserved to be and should be but vb out qualifying um yeah both the the mercedes is just an epic result for miami
0: what do you think, Tommy T, VB, yeah. absolutely outstanding?
1: I mean, like, best qualifying the Alphas has had, I think, in a long time. Uh, and I'm, I'm so afraid if he could have beat both those Mercedes as well as out-qualify both of them, that would have just been one of the biggest, like, FU moments, um, which we know he loves, to, to whom it may concern, kind of moments. Um, we love that guy. He's a great personality and it's been nice to see that kind of even more since he's left Mercedes. I think the Mercedes uh, socials team do actually do a great job. But I think it's, it's been even better to see him kind of grow as well and we get to see a little bit more of his personality with Tiffany and his other side businesses and things that he's interested in because he, he seems like a very interesting guy and he's probably one of the people that I'd like to – just based on what you kind of see on their personas online, he seems like an actual guy you'd want to hang out with and have a beer with and chat with, or oh. and gin. Yeah, talking about coffee, just he's got a gin. Like, is is this is this my soulmate? He's mate? just F one like, is finish going on You, yeah,
0: yeah. You could you could tell him about how good you are at go
1: karting too, and he'd probably believe you. Yeah, I mean, we we get to see Freya and Manus in a in a go kart. We might have to have a, a Lexa drive. Rematch. That is a that is actually a great idea. Um
0: watch out for content in the future for that. Um if Oof. only we weren't in the Cayman Islands. Uh let's keep going. Mercedes uh, Russell in fifth and Hamilton in sixth, uh, a lot further up than they thought they would be. Uh, Russell had a shocking qualifying session, um, but he was giving, giving it to Lewis, wasn't he, in the last couple of laps there, TT, um, getting right up behind him and going around the outside, going around the inside, trying manoeuvres. There is no love lost there on the track, but it does seem afterwards, at least, maybe not so much. Maybe Lewis isn't so happy, but he's still respecting that you know he's getting points to the team and everything else.
1: Yeah. It's an interesting one, isn't it? I think we said it from the start. Russell isn't here to be a good little number two driver. He's here to imprint and he's got his career to establish and Lewis has had his chance and he's had a great career and he almost can't do anything to tarnish that now. His career is kind of cemented as multiple world time champion, arguably the greatest we've ever seen. So Russell's now like, cool, you've had that. Like You can keep trying to do whatever you want to do with your career, but this is my time. I've wanted this seat for so long and unfortunately now the team's not where it used to be, but he's he's not mucking around. He's there to capitalize. He's been, I would say, kind of lucky in a lot of these results over Hamilton, who's probably lost out to, I think, two safety cars, if yes. not more yep. now, where Russell's gained an advantage. And you can tell that's frustrating Hamilton, but, mate, you just need to be a bit more uh, <laughs> introspective and look at how many times that has helped you over countless other drivers throughout your career when a safety car has benefited you. Um, it is what it is and it's got nothing to do. It's not the team's fault and you feel like sometimes over the the radio Hamilton can be kind of accusing the team of making the wrong decision or something. It's like it's just luck. We don't pick when the safety cars come out, mate. He was just in an opportune position because he was behind you. He managed to benefit there, so that was what happened. It, it wasn't a selection thing. It just was luck of the draw. Um and it's quite literally. And if anything, Hamilton should look at like he was on, front in, on track anyway. So on merit, he was in front. Unfortunately, that's not how F1 scored. It's based on these other factors that are out of your hands. Yeah, it was quite literally George saying to his engineer,
0: let's just wait for a safety car to pit.
1: That yeah. was it. It was two luck. laps,
0: and then you know the Gasly thing happened. So he'd come a long way up from uh, his his qualifying position to be up towards that point, and yeah, it just he just made the most of it. Which, as you say, is not Hamilton. Not saying that George is necessarily outperforming Lewis. Certainly for qualifying, he didn't. Uh, it is just luck of the draw. It is motor racing, as you would say, Michael. Um, let's let's keep going though, because Ferrari was an interesting one. Um, Freya, we started with Ferrari content of Carlos Sainz hitting his head on. The metal fence trying to do cool, a cool jump through the escape hatch uh, from the track side, which is pretty early on, sounded and looked absolutely woeful, and it just kept getting worse for him from there.
2: I got really worried after that, quite frankly, not only for his health and well-being, whether he had a concussion or not, mm. um, and therefore should be racing, but, um, the, again, just the – you have moments like that across the course of a weekend, what kind of mindset does it put you in when you start a race and you're actually lining up? With that said, obviously one of the reasons that we like him is that he does just get on with the job and and get things done and is an amazing racer, which he then produced yesterday. Um, I was, so pleased to see him back on the podium. Um, that made me really, really pleased, especially because I was a bit worried about how he might perform after, yeah, a couple of just not great moments over the course of the weekend. So great to see him back on the podium.
0: He had a good scrap TT with uh, Checo, um, With ended up. Checo outbreaking himself, and, and which was fine. Um, I was – we wanted Carlos, didn't we, Freya, on the podium. I think we were the only two people in the sports bar who mm. felt that way and everyone else was ch- absolutely Checo fans, <laughs> like clapping, like, please don't hurt me. Uh, but it, it was it was a good <laughs> racing, wasn't it, between those two. Um, but, you know, comparison to Charles and Max, Max just kind of – once he got in front, it was six and a half
1: seconds and see you later. Yeah, it did look like that. Uh Red Bull was much faster. But so that's full credit to Science for being able to defend. And that was a very kind of like very intelligent move that he made to let Checo outbreak himself and run through. Like you could see he wanted to cover off and he's like, this guy's not going to be able to pull up. So he just kind of like let him do that. And he's like, just I'll sail through and regain my position. So just very crafty kind of guy, Carlos. And it, it feels like, We've, we've said this multiple seasons, I feel like, with Carlos. He just he does the right things and he just gets this really poor luck and this was one of those ones like, can he please just get a result to kind of reward the effort he's been putting in because he just hasn't had those results come this season as they feel like they should based on how quick he is. He's had some frustrating crashes. Feels like almost every week he's had some kind of crash. Um, so, yeah, we love Carlos. I think he's one of the better personalities as well in the sport he's very funny like he's just he's he's a character and we'd like to see those kind of people do well because you want to see that more uh and it seems like he genuinely does want to be the best driver he can be he wants to be the best driver at ferrari and he just hasn't been able to put it together this season so things like this will just build his confidence hopefully and opportunities will rise when he can beat leclerc and that's what we want to see yep uh, interesting,
0: Freya asked me the question, if is not on the grid, who's your favourite driver? And I think I'd said Carlos as fast as I possibly could um, because of his dad, yeah. because of how he behaves, because of, you know, all the, everything about him, he just seems like an absolutely great guy. And Best hair on the grid, let's be absolutely clear. Oh, he
2: pulled his helmet off and even though they all looked ill, he still produced an amazing locks afterwards. <laughs> so I was like, how, you, you, how is that still? Yeah. yeah,
0: absolutely. Yep. Uh, but Charlotte Clure, look, there was a bit of time frayer that there was a bit of a scrap with Max, um, but as I said, once Max got in front. Uh, and to be fair to Checo Perez, there was a power management issue going on with his car, which is why Carlos is able to sort of defend from him in, and sort of keep in touch. But- after the safety car restart, it was very clear. Like Charles could for maybe one or two laps stay right behind him, but then it was just sort of being built out further and further and further and uh, Ch- Charles just couldn't get anywhere near Max.
2: No, and it kind of looked like he might hold on to him for a moment, but like you said, as soon as Verstappen got in front, that that car was just so much faster on that track in comparison to to the Ferraris. So it wasn't really much of a battle, I don't think, after, after that. So... Yeah, it wasn't terribly exciting, I think, after he kind no. of made that move. So
0: And it's not it's not this, this sort of beginning of the season where we saw Max and Charles, Max, it's and, Charles, Max and Charles. Constantly coming back. Yeah. You no, know, lap after lap after lap. And of course with reliability issues, Max hasn't um, been able to complete all of those races. But as uh, Crofty said at the very beginning of the broadcast, uh, sorry, at the very beginning the very end, the beginning after the, the checkered flag, every checkered flag Max has seen, he's been in P one. So Yes, reliability issues yeah. for Red Bull still are a thing. Let's not forget uh, th- there's still issues during the, the weekend, the whole weekend with with cars and flames and, and whatnot as well. So it'll be interesting to see what Red Bull can pull together. Ferrari need to be there, don't they, TT, to be able to pick up the pieces if something goes mm. wrong. Um, certainly that's what happened with Carlos over Perez there. But uh, for Charles, if... Charles is going to keep in touch with this championship, although it is still feels like 40 races away until we're in Abu Dhabi. Uh, They need to be consistent. And I've said this, that Ferrari seem to be the most consistent team and Red Bull seem to have the fastest car without the consistency reliability.
1: Mm, Yeah, just wait until Ferrari have a some kind of technical issue that's illegal and we have to (laughs) look into that because that's inevitable whether it's this year or in the next five years. Uh, But right now, you're right. Nah, I'm joking, obviously. Um, But you're right. I think if they can just remain consistent and have no DNFs, like that's that's all they really need to do because we've seen Red Bull like write themselves out of the first part of this championship run because they just can't keep a car on the track. That's all… Ferrari have to do is just get there, get first, second, third, just keep on the podium, keep racking up the points because those Red Bulls are struggling to make it to the end of the race. So it seems like Red Bull's like getting on top of it, but like Max said in in his interview, he's like, check out issues, I had issues on Friday, like we still haven't got this thing sorted. Yeah, we've had some wins, but it's it's not over yet. Like we still need to get this car sorted out and I wonder if that's going to come soon enough that they can stop the DNFs. Uh, before Ferrari rack up and bank enough points. It's it's a very interesting uh, a battle because you can only claw back so many points if your competitor is always getting second uh, and potentially fastest lap as well, which is always on Leclerc's mind, it seems. Yeah, it seems like that
2: reliability is going to be important for Ferrari um in terms of even things like being able to capitalize it on it when it does happen which has happened with Mercedes for example you know George has just been in the right place at the right time that you then end up on a podium or get you know more points than you would have because you were there and didn't get caught up in any other tangles whatever else and so when you know the two Red Bulls DNF you're there and, and you're ready to go so they need to make sure that they don't have any any other issues that go with it.
0: Well, that's our team-by-team analysis all wrapped up for the Miami Grand Prix, Uh, an an absolutely interesting time. Let's just call it that, interesting time. But you've had some absolutely phenomenal fantasy names. It's Campy's favourite part of the podcast, Uh, our F1 Fantasy League team name competition. It's as long as the Emilia-Romagna... Uh, grand prix title there Uh, still 153 of you (laughs) in the league and i've picked out just a handful to round us off for this u.s grand prix the barbarian and the flog (laughs) straight out uh, out of the gate Um, absolutely phenomenal uh sitting here of course with the woman uh breaking late like brundle josh a campy (laughs) we used to be friends now you're in the bin daniel b snot snorting barbarians steen n wish.com marina circuit samuel r campy's heavy breathing better than the v6 hybrid engine noise dennis o no tide marina alex b signs in the gravel bin wall byron h and my favorite fake marinas fake chests fake fans it's from our uh, not so secret <laughs> service friend in in canada but uh thank you to you for for continue to do that please ensure that you jump onto our fantasy league it is not about where you come in the competition I'm um, not just saying that because I'm performing exceptionally poorly already. <laughs> it's it is about your favorite, <laughs> uh, our favorite names throughout the year, and of course we we give out merchandise prizes. We will be making some uh, some of our own merch a little bit later in the year and printing off. Now there is just too many sayings. I feel like we're doing a T-shirt run of ten T-shirts because there's so many that we need to get through. But uh, a massive thank you to you both uh, here in the Cayman Islands with me, Freya. Well, I'm with you, I suppose. <laughs> I to say, thank you. You're nothing without me. <laughs> thank you for me being here. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and for, for <laughs> Miami as well. TT, thank you so much. Uh, we're looking forward to having you back on some more now that your life is a little bit more sorted out. And yeah. a massive thank you to you for listening, leaving us a rating or a review, all of that great stuff. And a massive thank you to our Discord community. All of you are a bunch of legends. Well, that's it for this Miami Grand Prix review. We will be with you next week, previewing the Barcelona race, the the practice race as tt has said and uh, we will be able to to talk about just how much of the right thing alpine has done by putting oscar piastri in for a free practice one session Uh, it is time to say goodbye we'll see you then for our next episode of lakeside drives f1 podcast all right here we go a fake say oh good lord (laughs) You wrote this. I know. (laughs)